we have to get a special permit off the hospital to let Johnny come out of hospital for two hours to come do the gig, which he does on crutches. Oh my fucking God. Right then, team. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Scratch Record podcast. Today we are joined by a band that has been to hell and back. They've, you know, they've been all over the gaff. They have recently come back with a new album, Satisfying the Ritual, as well as topping the physical charts with the EP in their comeback with Johnny Guitar. Was well, They've also supported Liam Gallagher around the UK and Europe since reforming. They've made some unbelievable festival appearances. We are joined today with by Harry from Twisted Wheel and his cat that keeps appearing. Yeah. Hello. I'm like some mad Bond villain, aren't I, with the <laughs> jumping on screen? Yeah. How you doing, mate? You all right? Yeah, I'm very well. I'm very well, you know. Um, having a nice, uh, well, I suppose, break from being in the music, music, making music at the moment. I mean, I'm making demos at home, but I'm not really, like everyone else, not not playing live yet so it's, it's yes. actually been a good time to recharge the batteries a bit sound i like it i like it okay well we start to begin with some more uh with some different ways of asking this question at the start so we want to get into the depth of who twisted wheel are just in case anyone who's listening that hasn't heard of them and so how would you describe twisted wheel who you are what sort of music it's about if you had to describe it to elliot's nan She's sat there on the sofa with a cup of tea and you've got to give her a quick breakdown of what Twisted Wheel are about. How do you do it? Uh, I think Twisted Wheel, what, what it represents is it's, it's, it's a properly independent band that was once on a big major label and then uh, the classic rock and roll story of, you know, everything falls apart, numerous lineups, you know. You know, it's a bit like um, The Fall, but just not quite as prolific. <laughs> uh, you know... <clears throat> But um, yeah, it came out of Saddleworth about 10 years ago. That's like sort of um, the rural part of Oldham, Greater Manchester. Nice. And um, in that area, it's quite a musical area. So if you listen to the first Wheel record, which obviously I wasn't in the band at that time, but the first records um, got quite a lot of um, like folk influence, like the Pogues. And that a lot of that comes from the culture of where the band comes from um, in Saddleworth, sort of that sort of um, Irish folk culture that exists in the local pub scene. So it's, it's a band that it's, it's, the, the sound has developed, I think. Um, now, the, the, the last album we did was um, more rock, more rock based, I think. Um, I'd still had some punk in there, but yeah, I'd say Twisted Wheel are just one of those classic rock and roll bands you know there's not, not really other way to describe it it's uh it's been through it has been to hell and back as you said in the intro so yeah. yeah yeah no definitely i think that's what we've noticed and i think that's what almost like the story we want to tell from here so i think what we wanted to do is almost go chronologically and start with you personally so 16 years old getting into music and stuff like that did you have any like proper proficient bands from that sort of time from the early days Interestingly, um, the school I went to, um, 
was the same one that that Johnny had been to a few years before, and Adam, um, the drummer. So Twisted Wheel was always like sort of um the band, the band of the the area. Yeah. Yeah. And there, I think that informed sort of the style of music we were playing as kids, mm. which is re- which is really mad when you think about it. That the band they ended up being in was like the band that actually informed the style of music. So a lot of the people I met at the time um, were all into Wheel, and we wanted to play that sort of that fast punk rock and roll music. Um, actually, went to school with with Luke O'Reilly using uh, you heard of the band Dirty Laces? Yeah, 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 they're really good. See, Luke's a very good friend of mine, and he oh. was around. He was always around that scene. Um, so me and him have played gigs together quite Sick. a lot. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anyone else who's kind of doing quite well. Well, yeah, there's a few of the, the Dirty Laces lads that I grew up through school and college, and we always used to jam together. Um, and, and at the end of college, um, Ben Warwick, who's the lead guitarist in Twisted Wheel, um, he joined my second band, which were called Shadow Palace. And Shadow Palace were like, uh, it's hard to describe. Um, it's kind of like wiry post-punk with a lot of psychedelia in there. Okay. Nice. It was very, not mainstream. No. At all. Um, we got we we did all right, but um, the main thing that came out of that was me and Ben um, come out left that band. I joined Wheel on bass, and then because I was a singer in that band, and then um, a couple of years, I think it was a couple of years later when the guitarist in Wheel left, Ben joined, and we were kind of reunited, and then. That created the spark, which led to us recording the third album because we had we suddenly had a band where everything just fitted together. Mm, all clicked. It all clicked because me and Ben had worked together before, and we had that chemistry. And I'd been playing with John now for about three, two or three years, and Ben Robinson, the drummer, uh, absolute powerhouse. So we did, we were just like, it sounded like wheel on steads, basically. Mm. <laughs> it was like a bigger, heavier version of the wheel. And, we, you know, and, and we were ready to like, you know, take, you know, not take over, but you know what I mean? We were ready mm. to push things to the next level. Yeah. Mm. Which Definitely. we almost did until COVID came along. Hey, but. <laughs> you did fucking bits. I think uh, we, want it, we want to get into that new album, but I feel like we want to touch on that story a little bit more first. So when you say you joined Wheel, mm-hmm. how did that like actually come about? Because you said like that, you know, they're a big band with a big name for themselves, especially around Manchester way. Mm-hmm. So to just sort of join them, like how did that actually come about? Um, I'd known Johnny for years because we always only lived around the corner from each other in, um, in a little village called Greenfield at the time. And um, I was playing like a... Still play it actually, a Sunday residency at a bar called Albion Tap. And then Johnny would come in and have a beer and stuff. And he was talking about, oh, I'm 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 getting a band back together, but I'm not going it's not going to be twisted wheel. It's going to be a new sound, new members. 
And he said, the bass player's just left already. We've only done four rehearsals and the bass player's left. He said, um, I said, well, I'll, I'll do it for a bit. I'll step in, mm. you know, yeah. help you out for a bit till you find someone more permanent. Didn't have a bass. Had to borrow one. <laughs> Didn't have a bass or a bass amp. And so I had to borrow them at first. Uh, so my cousin, Dan, who was in the previous band, who played bass, he, he lent me um, his bass and um, bass amp and got rehearsing. And um, we'd, we'd played, we played about eight completely new songs. Mm. And Johnny had a solo gig booked at Band on the Wall in Manchester. Mm-hmm. And he said, what would be great is if after I played the solo set, I reintroduce the comeback of the band under a different name. So when he'd finished his set and played You Stole the Sun, everyone was walking out of the venue and suddenly these three fucking random <laughs> plonkers walk onto the stage <laughs> and everyone's like, what the fuck's this all about? And we, end up, we ended up playing like eight completely new songs that nobody had ever heard before. So oh, it was quite man. risky, really. And yeah. it kind of only half worked out because some people just fucking walked out. They'll <laughs> like, be like, like what, what's this all about? Because it, it weren't, it, it, we clearly weren't playing Twisted Wheel songs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what, apparent, what became apparent after a few months was the drummer couldn't play Twisted, the Twisted Wheel songs. So we had to go. And um, then we got Adam back in. He was the original drummer. Yeah. And then that, we went on a run then, which was brilliant. We did the comeback tour, the Snakes and Ladders tour, which was amazing. And then we brought the Johnny Guitar EP out, went to number one in the physical charts. And we're, by that point, we're absolutely fucking flying because mm-hmm. we've done the tour. We've just played Old Trafford Cricket Ground with Liam Gallagher and back. And Reading and Leeds Festival, Kendall Carlin, and we're absolutely smashing it at that point. It looked like we were really going to go on to to big things. Um, And then trouble happens again. Lee guitarist leaves, Richard, Adam leaves, and then we've got to get two new members in, Ben and Ben, and then we've got to be ready for a new tour at the end of that year. So we were going to do a second UK tour, which was, we didn't stop for a year, but I feel like the changing of the members again just halted the momentum and we had mm. to kind of build that back up. Interestingly, the first gig we did as the new lineup was at Preston Cathedral. I think it was supporting the, uh, the Sherlock's. I see. Mm. John was in hospital at the time. He had um, cellulitis in his leg. Fucking hell. Shit. So the hospital was saying he can't do the gig. Bearing in mind, we had two weeks to prepare for this gig with no band. We had, we had two weeks to go to this big gig with just, it was me and John. He was in hospital. We had no band. <laughs> so what, just, what, what we're going to do? So I draft Ben in because I know him from previous ventures and I know it works. Get mm. Ben in. And then, and then we think, right, shit, we've got to get a drummer. So we've got a week to go by this point, right? 
So we get a drummer into rehearse. He comes in, does not fucking work. So now we're at panic stations. We've got a week oh. to go and we still don't have a band. Um, so luckily our saving grace was that Benny plays guitar and the band can actually fucking drum as well. Oh. Um, so Eve jumps on the drums. We didn't rehearse with Johnny, by the way. We didn't get to rehearse as a band for that gig. Jesus. We have to get a special permit off the hospital to let Johnny come out of hospital for two hours to come do the gig, which he does on crutches. Oh, my fucking God. That's ridiculous. And we still did it, and it was meant. It was a really good gig. Sick. That is so good. We've heard some gig stories, but I think that might be the most scuffed gig I've <laughs> yeah. ever heard the most like last minute scratch it all up like that's fucking hell well when you've got your lead guitarist on drums and your singers <laughs> on crutches and uh you know I'm trying to hold it all together as the bass player you know it's yeah it's, it, but bearing in mind you know I, I, that was my still my first year in the band so mm. <laughs> it was hard you know trying to Trying to make all these phone calls to and from hospital going, John, yeah, John, we've uh, tried this new drummer today. He's not cutting the muscles. We're going to have to try another one. <laughs> and, uh, so it's it mad, you know. That's crazy. And by that point, I bet that that for you was like, I put the graft in, now I'm here for the long run. <laughs> you know what I mean? Even that first, that, that to happen within that first year, that's fucking, that's full, full deep. I mean, there's another one where we were playing in Scotland, in Glasgow, we all went out after the gig, but Johnny and Adam didn't come back. This was still in the first tour of Snakes and Ladders one. And um, what happened was Adam, obviously, he's a bit of a technophobe, so he, he had like an old brick phone. Um, so we get out, we come out of the hotel in the morning. We've got to be in Dunfermline the next day. Hmm. So we get in the van and we thought, we'll have to just go and drive round and look to him. find him. <laughs> but you'll never guess what was fucking happening that day. Scottish Independence March. There's a million people marching. <laughs> there's a million people marching through um... Glasgow and we've lost our drummer. So we're just driving round the same fucking roundabout 40 times, just panicking like, what are we going to do? Where is he? Eventually he gets in touch because he bumps into a fan. And a fan luckily managed to have his contact us through social media, I think. <laughs> picked him up from this pub in Glasgow. Um, <laughs> so you can imagine what sort of band it is to be in. Uh, There's a lot. It's just never gets boring by the sounds yeah. of it. No, but that's you can understand now why I'm happy to have a little bit of a break. Yeah, <laughs> it's probably it's, nice it's, to have like one year on, one year off, one year on, one year off, and like have that recovery time in the future. Oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's incredible. So, while while we've done some scuff gigs, how about your best one so far of Twisted Wheel? What's been a standout that like was a really top gig? Well, the Ritz in Manchester that we did in late 2019 was just. It, with wheel things rarely go perfectly mm. that went perfectly um even the we even we for, for, for months we've been talking about what what's going to be a good walk on song for us because we couldn't crack it we had rumble by link ray for a while and then we thought you know what we'll go for beastie boys fight for your right nice <laughs> Nice. And you, the, the crowd 
went mental to that before we'd even walked on stage. So you you knew before you even walked on stage, this is going to be amazing. Mm. The unfortunate thing is them gigs, you know, they only last an hour and a half and you want them to last forever. You know, mm. you, you don't want to leave that stage. Um, and I think for that reason, that's got to be the best gig we've ever played. I think the other one that stands out was probably at Finsbury Park when we supported Liam Gallagher, uh, 2018. I think it was literally about 15 minutes before we went on stage. We got the news through that Johnny Guitar had hit number one in the physical charts. Wow. So we were like, oh my God, you know, sun's out. We're supporting Liam Gallagher at Finsbury Park. We're just going to run in the physical charts. Absolutely flying. And uh, the funny thing was at that Finsbury Park, there was two stages. So you had the main stage where I think Liam, Richard Ashcroft, DMAs, I think we're on. Wolf Alice, I think we're on as well. And, and I love Wolf Alice. Mm. And I didn't expect them to be on the bill because... Um, Usually, when you get them sort of gigs, you get you get very laddy sort of lineup. Yeah, so I was, yeah, yeah. I'm, re- I was really happy to see Wolf Alice because you know I, I love Wolf Alice. Um, and then there was our second stage, which was slightly smaller, still big stage. And all the bands that had been on before us that day, there'd been hardly anyone there. You're talking like handfuls of people, so we're shitting ourselves, mm. absolutely shitting it. So we're thinking, what if no one turns up and this is like a mass anticlimax? So we find out the news about the EP 15 minutes before we go on. 15 minutes later, we walk on stage and it's just a sea of people. And we're like, fuck. And we're like, we did not expect that. And for that very reason, just everything just falling into place. Just made the perfect day, really. I think them them two gigs stand out, definitely. Definitely. I mean, that's pretty good ones. And so we've also had some good gig stories, but... Both of those are pretty incredible. And I, I was there when you supported Liam Gallagher at um, the cricket ground in Old Trafford. And uh, that was sick as well. Like, I think there was so much hype around that, uh, around Liam Gallagher, but I also had Richard Ashcroft on there as well. And just so much like Manchester pride there, I think, weren't there? I think so. Interestingly, the Old Trafford one, the scale of it was great. Um, but obviously, when we were on quite early in the day, it, the ground, I think, was only about half full. It was still obviously amazing. You know, by God, I'm grateful to have been able to do it. But the thing is about Finsbury Park was that just was perfect. Yeah. You know, yeah. it was as many people as you could see, the eye could see. And, uh, you know, I, I, I can't, I, I still, you know, have to pinch myself, look back at the photos. You know, we talked about physical things before. Yeah. I had to get some photos developed, you know, nice. after that weekend, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't just have that thing where I flick through my phone. No, nah, yeah, proper yeah, yeah. photos. You got to get something to look back on, haven't you? Yeah, I like that. Definitely. That's class. What was it? I want to know. What was it actually like to like support them gigs and working alongside Liam Gallagher and a, and a almost a production like that? Because that's a they're they're massive events. They're huge, huge. They were a big spectacle just in the indie scene alone. Like. Was that scale of event something for you being fairly, like still fairly fresh in the band? Was that quite almost daunting for you? Um, the, 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 the way my mind works and stuff like that is I don't get daunted. Don't get daunted by the big things in life. It sounds really strange, but 
you throw yourself at it. Mm. And I think someone came up with a good quote and, you know, you don't want to be the lamb to the slaughter. You take your audience to the slaughter and you go on there and you give it some. And I think I've always carried that. I think with me, it's the little things in life that, that don't, don't me like, <laughs> Oh, I've got to pick up something from the post office. And <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Let, little moments of mad mad little moments of anxiety and stuff in life that just get me but then big moments seem to like i don't know they seem to kick something in me and i think the rest of the band are like that as well mm-hmm. and that's why we, we we tend to perform well on the big stage um whereas sometimes on like smaller stages um we we've had some tough gigs um, for whatever reason, but in them big environments, we do seem to shine because I, 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 there's that like sort of togetherness more. Because mm-hmm. when you're on tour in, say, I don't know, Blackpool or something, playing your headline gig, what generally tends to happen is the band all going because the dressing rooms on the sort of venues we headline are a bit, bit shit. But everyone just goes off and does their own thing, you know, finds a local pub, goes doing a bit of shopping, or goes to the chippy. So you're all separated for the whole day sometimes, and you just come back to the venue and do the gig. Mm-hmm. With them gigs, you arrive together, you go into the arena, you go through a big security process, and you're all together for that whole day. And I think that's what works more for us mm-hmm. when, when we're together. Um, but yeah. We we do tend to revel in on the big stage for whatever reason. Yeah, I like, I think that's a good way to be. You're in the right industry for that to for that to be to the right way to go. Like when you when you if you can play them big stages and slap it out, that's when you got the most eyes on you. And I think that kind of sits with a lot of people that are doing music and stuff. There is it is almost like that's a make or break point. If you can perform on them big stages and crack under pressure and not crack under pressure, then you you make you're in you're in the money, you're onto a winner, I think. Yeah. No, and it's it's all it's 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 always very interesting um to to say to hear when you have bands, I think it was Kings of Leon. Um, the, the singer Caleb doing an interview saying he like pukes up before some yeah. shows. You know, I've never felt remotely that nervous before a gig ever. So it's really interesting to see how diff- people's different psychology works mm. um, with stuff like that, I always think. Absolutely. Yeah. And that adrenaline rush is like, you know, it's that fight or flight <laughs> response, isn't it? It's that automatic, like, am I here to fight and pull it together and actually crack on and get it done and get it done the best of my ability or like, you know, some people freeze and, you know, some, some people throw up and it's, everyone works so differently. It's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. I think the one thing I get nervous about, you were talking about the little things before, I mean, this could potentially become a big thing on stage is that all this, these gigs we've talked about in these tours, I've only ever took one bass with me. (laughs) <laughs> Never a backup, right? So imagine something goes wrong with that yeah. bass, right? So occasionally I'll have these mad moments where I've got stage thinking, shit, what if something goes wrong with the bass? Yeah. I've got to replace them. <laughs> um, so that, 
you know, I've talked about the little things, but that could potentially yeah, that, that could be good. Little thing. Yeah. <laughs> I just do a Nicky wire and get the skipping rope out or something. Like that. <laughs> yeah, just... you could pull some it together. Yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> that that that's the things that make me nervous. The, the technicalities rather than the occasion. Mm-hmm. Uh, one you've mentioned uh, Johnny a lot. Obviously, lead singer. If people don't know. And I think I'm quite intrigued because, like, I have I've been a fan of Twist Wheel for a while now, and like I was saying to her earlier, like when I was first getting into like less mainstream bands, I suppose you'd say, uh, like that first Twisted Wheel album was one of the early ones that I heard and was like, oh, shit, this is sick. So I've always like followed him as well on on Twitter and stuff like that, and he just seems like a character, is how I'd say it. So what like what is he really like to work with, like? positive negative like how have you found it because i feel like he's quite a big name in and of himself first of all as a human and a person i mean what a lovely lovely guy you know um we've been through a lot of problems um as a band and you know he struggled with struggled with a lot of addiction but underneath it all you know he's a really nice person at the end of the day and that's that's just how i see him you know so there's times in the past where i've had to kind of distance myself from John a bit when he's when he's been um let's say having a hard time and when you when you're in those moments like he's been in one of the main factors of it is you you do push your your friends and family away a lot Mm -hmm. and um there has been times you know where we've we've had to have honest words with each other but in terms of like a musical a musical guy and like a person and a friend, you know, you, you couldn't wish, you couldn't wish for a better, a better ally, really. You know, for, of sometimes you can be a bit unreliable or whatever. He's a great songwriter. And if you need to have a chat about anything, he'll, he'll talk. You know, he's a good, he's a good listener. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's my main thing with him, really. You know, it, we've had rocky moments, but, you know, he's in a good place now, and that's the main thing. You know, we we spoke about having the break from the band, and I said, you know, I said, John, don't worry about the pressure of the band or anything. You know, life and health goes above everything. You know, mm. so yeah, that's where we're at at the moment. Really, we just send each other the odd message, and he's he's got a little musical project on the go. Does he? Um, which I don't know much about, but I, you know it's a lot different. So he's working on that, and uh, I'm working on. We're all working on stuff, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which we're all open to like release stuff, hopefully towards the end of this year. Anyway, mm. that's good. That's good to hear. It's nice to hear such positive words for so uh, uh, like in a in a world where there can be so many uh, discrepancies and things that where things get misconstrued by media and stuff like that. And people get painted in certain ways. It's nice to hear from like the actual inside, what the person that you see in these, you know, news articles and whatnot, what this person's actually like from an insider. Yeah, no. And um, like being, being in a band um, that's we've, we've for three years, we didn't stop. Mm. You don't stop for three years. You spend so much time with each other. Um, you get to know a lot about each other. You know when to give each other space. You know when to like put your arm around someone. You know when to like distance yourself from them. Um, 
But like, you know, like I said about the stories before, about losing the drummer in Glasgow and having to do a gig with no rehearsal when the singer's only allowed out of hospital for a couple of hours. And stuff, <laughs> you know, it, it, stuff like that, it, you can laugh about it now, can't you? You know, yeah. stuff, it's memories at the end of the day. And that, that, that's it. Everyone's in a good place. Whether the band comes back in the short term, long term, or never, you know, it's not massively important right now. It's just everyone's yeah. concentrating on the present, you know, and that's that's the important thing. Definitely, yeah, I think that is the important thing, and I think it's nice to see. I feel like with this new album, the the music really did the talking, and I think maybe partly why it, it did so well is that sort of when it came down to it, like the songs are really good, and I think like I've seen him tweet before, and I know a lot of like people in the industry you see like Twisted Wheel as a band that almost reached the top of indie but then the mainstream media maybe didn't quite take to it as well um, so have you I know you've only been in it sort of more recently but have you felt a bit like that that like mainstream media has sort of not given Twisted Wheel the support it deserves or is it a bit like you're just happy with putting out and it does what it does I think the, the trouble is if um, if in the modern day you have a reputation for being quite a hedonistic mm. band, it can actually probably do you more harm than good. Mm. And the, the, that, you know, the, the band got dropped by Columbia like way before I joined anyway. Um, and part of the reason was the sort of off the stage stuff started to really affect everything in a negative way. Mm. Um, and that, it's probably that reputation from the early days, which means, you know, when we did the third album, we didn't have a label behind it. Mm. We had to do it all ourselves. Um, I feel like there's a very positive outlook on the band from certain sections of the media who see it for what it is. Mm. You know, it's a band that means a lot to certain. It's a band that means a lot to like a cult following of people who it was just invested wholly in the music and the energy of it, um, and there is another flip side to that where people just see Twisted Wheel in a completely negative light, which in some ways you can understand. Um, but if we're talking about pure pound for pound music, then I, I, obviously music's all subjective, but I don't think anyone can doubt the quality of the music. You know, even if it's not their thing, I don't think anyone can turn around and say, you know, there's not something about them. Mm. Yeah. yeah 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 i agree i think it's interesting i think that's like what we were saying earlier is like always have been one of them bands that when you listen as you say you can't doubt it and it's always i think quite a few bands especially from that era even like when the first down came out and that is there's a lot of good bands that i always um mentioned milburn from sheffield oh, who, um, yeah like, milburn. like who are who are class and like, i listened to their first album and i'm like i just can't believe that they didn't go on to do like massive, massive things. And I think Twisted Wheel are another band in that ilk. And especially with the way the new one went. And I know me and I want to pick your brain about that a little bit as well, because like the new album sort of shocked both of us when it came out. It's like the yeah. quality of that third album is like ridiculous. Like I it's, think Yeah, absolutely. Especially for it being a non-backed independent record yeah. for something for a band that hasn't you know, that, that has done it, been picked up. The first debut album was recorded in LA with some mental producers and some crazy people around. And this one being it almost like saw yourself and self-funded and self-orientated as a band. I think that, 
and it come out the way that it did and how fucking brilliant it was shows the raw talent that the band has and it shows a level that I think there isn't some bands you can tell when they get the backing by records everything changes it goes up a level massively and it really does and there isn't many bands that can prove that once the label has been dropped they still can produce this level of record that is like unparalleled to a lot of things in the scene for that sub subsection of the indie music culture yeah no it's I think when you're an independent band, you can make the album that you want to make. And I think that was a positive side of it. Um, I always speak to like John and Adam about the first album and they, they look back on it and think they could have done it very differently. Um, they didn't feel in complete control because Dave Sardi was the producer, um, obviously done like Oasis and stuff. He sees this young, small band come in of you know early 20 year olds and he obviously thinks you know I, I know better than these guys you know i'm gonna i'm gonna sort of mold them how i want them to be so satisfying ritual was um was the album that we wanted to make yeah and um it's in interestingly because i think john wrote about nine of the 11 and i wrote two of the 11 and what what's interesting is that especially the last track where show me that that that's a complete different side to his songwriting that we'd never seen mm. but for me as well coming out of my old band where we'd been doing like psychedelic heavy <laughs> sort of post-punk i well, like black and blue wrong side of the road the two that i wrote for the album mm. they were the first two songs i'd ever put out in any sort of medium that were kind of meant for a sort of a, a popular audience if you know what i mean yeah, yeah it was yeah. interesting because john wanted to go john wanted to do some of his more introverted stuff and i was ready and i wanted to kind of come and do my big sort of punch the air stuff so that really like that really worked because mm. we because we made a we made a record that's quite diverse mm. and um like ghost man is an interesting one because that was the only song to date that me and john have co-wrote where I did the music, needed the lyrics, and that came out really interestingly. And mm. um, so, if we ever do make a record in the future, you know, it's 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 genuinely really exciting to see where it could go. Because um, yeah. there's no there's no rules now, you know. We're not like we don't even have a manager. We don't have anything. Really? You know, wow. I mean, Kev, Kev John's dad is technically in charge, but. You know, he's down tools now because we're having a break and so yeah. we're just floating and, you know, we can do what? We can come back when we want. We can do, make a record that we want. And it's nice to have that, that sort of control, really. Mm, and then, absolutely. Yeah. Good to, yeah. Good, to, good to have a bit of ownership over your art, I'd say. I think that's, we've noticed that a lot with bands and, you know, I I think that personally i think it's, i know it's obviously really hard financially and stuff like that but the whole independent stuff and having that control creatively i think is the best for a band of like for a band that is so artistically like so artistically talented like yourselves i think it really gives you a it gives you a platform to be able to make any form of art any form of way in whatever you want to do instead of being like 
restricted to something that needs to be played on the radio, something that, you know, everyone at the minute is focusing on things that are going to go viral on social media and all that jazz, because that's what's making the charts. All the charts are surrounded by that. And I think you can see it like there is obviously some really, really good record labels allowing artists and bands to make music that they want to make because it's still sounding like them. Whereas, like, as you were saying, there is also some record labels where they're like, right, I'll put you with a producer and he's going to make you sound like this. And it seems to be that that then isn't, people don't feel artistically gratified. They're not, they, you know, they haven't got that gratification from the album. And it sounds like you lot really found that almost rewarding as a group. We did. And the, the interesting thing was that as we were recording the album, the process kept changing because mm. we had songs that we we went into it where we had Nomad Hat, um, Black and Blue, DNA. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any others we had. You know what? When we actually started recording the album, right, we only had four songs uh-huh. written <laughs> wow. for the album when we started recording it. So it took a long time to record. And um, there was a few moments where we're like, shit you know are we going to get enough songs together um and then john obviously pulled show me out the bag which he'd had for a while um sat the song satisfying the ritual just came from a jam mm. um which i didn't play on i don't even play on that track You're joking. <laughs> <laughs> so ben picked up the bass i was i was on the way in my car and there was jams of it next thing you know oh we've got another track stuff like that you know we had discussions before we did the album well let's this could be our sandinista this can be our 30 track masterpiece to the world you know (laughs) which never materialized you know we got 11 songs over the line in the end um the last track that was wrote was um we had 10 tracks we felt we needed like a classic sort of wheel punk banger on there Mm. um so me and john went we're up at the room we're smashing away ideas. We come up with a song called um, Lonely at the Top, which we wanted it to be like a big punk banger, but it was more like um, a sort of Echo and the Bunnymen New Wave song, and that never that never made the album. And then the time was ticking, and then he came back, and then John came back with the practice room with the song called I Am Immune. And then that was like the missing piece of the jigsaw because mm. it needed that. It needed that sort of two-minute punk banger on there. Mm. And then once we'd done I Am Immune, we were confident we had a really solid record then. And um, Dean, the producer, Dean Glover, he's, um, he's probably the busiest man I know. So the <laughs> band he's working with at Vibe. Uh, and um, when you talk about producers that are creative, like the greats, like Martin Hamnett, and uh, John Leckie, he's not as well known as them, but if he carries on like he is, he yeah. could be one of the great producers, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's to that point with Dean, you know, I, I wouldn't want to work with anyone else. I've worked with Dean now, and I think, you know, he can transform a song just with a few subtle little suggestions and changes. And that's what you want. You want to work with a producer. Yeah. yeah, not be told what to do by a producer. Yeah, I think it's one thing that we've got into a couple of times because 
think before we started this and we, we started speaking to bands, um, I didn't even think about the producer on a track. Like if, if something came out and you liked it, or you didn't like it, you just see it as the bands. And I think it's interesting when like we've now sort of learned how integral a producer is like as an extra member of the band because a good producer really does, I think, take those shells of songs or those demos of songs and either makes or breaks them. Um, so I think that's really interesting. I think you can tell. Uh, it's just something about that, about Satisfying the Ritual, that you can just tell that it was produced properly. And it's not even all, like a quality yeah. thing. but All the little psychedelic elements in there, you know, like the mad sounds in between songs and stuff. That's all Dean's work, that. You know, Dean throwing all them little little sounds in them, little fills in between songs and stuff. Um, you know, and if any keyboards are on the record, Dean plays all them as well. Oh, Apart from the last track um, where a lad called Tom um, plays the piano, um, he was actually turned out to be John's neighbour. <laughs> he was in my year at school. He was, he, was always, he was always great at piano. And one day John just sent him the track and said, can you try some piano? And he put some piano on it. And that was, at the time, we thought that was just a demo. Mm. We ended up putting the demo as on the album because it was oh. an amazing bit of piano. Yeah. Like, he's like grade eight, classically trained, so... Fucking hell. Yeah. You know, we, we, can't, we can't turn that down on the album. Nah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that's, that's just a little <laughs> notch on it, isn't it? <laughs> so he's got a little credit on the... Uh, back of the album anyway for those who for those who bought it there you go <laughs> <laughs> yeah cool there's, there's one more thing i want to press you on this because i know it's been going a long time <laughs> we try and keep them as short as possible but it never happens that's all right we can work um, and edit we can work and edit yeah uh, uh i'm glad that when you said the ones that you wrote one of them was black and blue because that is definitely my favorite track on the album oh, thank you no, 100%. I think it's a genius song. And like that was one that when I heard it and it is really, really good. But I think lyrically, it's really sort of real. And I'm just wondering if like, like what is the inspiration for that track? Like where did that track come from? Because it's not one that you can sort of just belt out. It's quite... Well, like... it, it, it was... Um, it's been around... It was it, it'd been around a few years. And obviously, like I said about my previous band being more interested in big psychedelic jams and fat riffs. There weren't any room for the... We did play it, but there weren't really room for that sort of track. I think the inspiration, I think there was a lot, uh, and even more so in the, the year, the last few years, there's been a big thing about mental health, and I think that's the crux of what the track is about. You know, it's... it's that it, it, I suppose it is about despair. Um, and it's... I can't, when I first wrote it, it was a bit, it sounded a bit Billy Bragg. So I wanted it to be like a political song mm. about, you know, you know, young people have had a bad, a bad deal really, you know, and some previous generations have had like affordable housing and, uh, you know, secure jobs. And we've, we're in the world now, you know, I mean, I've been lucky to be able to get a mortgage and stuff, but it, it, it is generation rent. Generation rent, you know, there's a lot of zero-hours contracts. And the, the toll that has on people's mental health was what I wanted to portray through a song. Um, after, and I, you know, I think we did a good job of that, and we, we turned it into like a... It sounds... The choruses sound quite oasis I suppose, don't we? We wanted to put a big, a big chorus. Because uh, it, it's just... 
it's quite catchy. But yeah, it, it, it's probably my proudest moment as an artist, being able to come into a new band and uh, play a song to John and the rest of the lads. And we've got, yeah, we've got to get that on the album. Yeah. You know, that's, that's an amazing thing. Um, I'm grateful for that. But yeah, that, that's where the inspiration for that one came from anyway. Mm. Did you ever want to boot John off and sing it live? Or are you going to try and take it? Or Well, we did have the idea at one point where we were. Where I was going to start doing some lead vocals, but I decided against it. You know, singing live, I don't get much of a, a buzz from it. Um. And I think, you know, John is the front man, leave him to do all that. You know, he's, he's a better front man than me and he, he can do that. I, I'm happy having known, you know, that I wrote that song or whatever and, and uh, we did it in the studio. That's enough for me. Um, but obviously when I start this, hopefully this solo thing up this year, you know, I'll have to be back front and centre again. Yeah, it's um, exciting. I'd love to see it. So depends where I take it. I mean... I've got some songs which are along the same lines of Black and Blue, mm. um, which are quite standard sort of rock songs. And then I've been doing some more experimental, like some dub reggae and all sorts. So God knows yeah. I'm going to do that. You know, I might have to get an alter ego or something, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like it. That's cool. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, so it's all positive. Mm. It's, yeah, all forward thinking, really. Yeah, so is that the plan? Is that the plan then for the next year for you? Like, just crack on with this solo project, get going with it, and try and get out on the get out on the courts and like do your gigs. Well, absolutely. You know, it's it's trying to get him trying to get in the studio with Dean. That's the hardest bit because he's <laughs> he's that busy. Is you he? Know? He was down at the vibe at the vibe studios. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, trying to get in with Dean's hard enough. You know, because yeah. he's he's that busy. <laughs> You know, I only need a few. Days. I'm, I'm going to just start off with maybe a couple of singles and get them done and see how it takes me. Been recording some home stuff as well. So stuff I've recorded at home during lockdown, you know, if I can get it release worthy, then why mm. not? You know. Have you got a band name? Well, see, my name's not very showbiz, is it? So I'll have to think <laughs> of something creative. I think it is. The issue you'd run into is that there's just so many Harrys. And like we say this to people like, if you search on Spotify, it's like you've got to compete with some pretty big Harrys, I think. But yeah, yeah. so it might have like a high flying bird situation on our end. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Harry, Harry Levin and the high flying cats or something. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. You've got to run with that now. <laughs> you know, because the, the, the cat is ever present. Exactly. Every, <laughs> everything I do around the house, whether it be the cooking, writing songs, recording, watching telly, He's always there, <laughs> so I've I've got to get some cat referencing somewhere. The cat is never <laughs> present is quite a good name. That should be a song. You know, I'll have to take a mental note. <laughs> yeah, the cat, <laughs> the cat is ever present. I like that. We're taking twenty percent of that track. Yeah, from thank you. So, so. <laughs> what was the last cat related uh, band name? Was it Curiosity Killed the Cat? Curiosity Killed the Cat. Pussy Most Cat time. Dolls. Pussycat Dolby, yes. Oh, he's back actually speaking. <laughs> Love it. Brilliant. And then have you, is there any plans with Twisted Wheel then for the next year or so? Are we giving it are we still on the old hiatus and not much planned? Yeah, no, no plans. I mean, 
it's it's not one of those where we've all fallen out or anything. So it's not it's not like oh well it might happen. It's we're all on good terms, but we're all currently busy doing our own thing. Mm-hmm. So if I like if any sort of wheel fan was kind of like listening and was wondering what was going on, I, I'd just say you know stick with it and listen. You know, have a good listen. You know, there's going to be some interesting music come out from the four of us separately. Mm. You know, keep your eyes up peeled for that because there'll be some quite interesting stuff will come out of that. And then one day, you know, whether it be a year, two years, four years, five years, I don't know. I mean, it, it was just after the COVID thing because the comeback after the European tour was meant to go on Soccer AM. Oh, sick. And then Soccer AM said we couldn't come on because we'd been in Italy. So this was right at the start oh. of the COVID thing. Yeah. And when you, and then the album comes out, we can't tour it, obviously, because of lockdown. It just knocked the stuffing out of us, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think by that point, we were a bit burnt out anyway. But, um, so that that's probably the reason for the break. You know, we, we, we burn out and COVID did it. Yeah. So it's not that we've all fallen out. It's just we we we'll, we'll get it we'll get it back together maybe I can't I can't say definitely but I can't yeah, say course. never you know you, you yeah. can you don't know you, anything you got to tour that album you got to get that played out to people but we've I already think... we've already sort of penciled in the name for that as a re-satisfying the ritual if it comes <laughs> <out>. <laughs> there you go you can't so, not do that so if you know if it if it does I think the what the future will hold for us will scale back touring a little bit because the tours we've done over the last few years have been really long yeah quite taxing on us um and that's been one of the reasons we've had like health problems and john's john's problems that are well documented you know so shorter bursts i think a little smaller probably bigger venues smaller tours um and then will smash the festival circuits again maybe but like i said you can't you, i yeah. can't say it will happen i can't say it won't happen because I, I don't know cool yeah i like oh. it I'm, I'm blaming soccer am then for this whole thing so it's their fault well yeah <laughs> i mean we at the time thought it was a joke because coronavirus at the time was yeah just, what even like, was it yeah you know it's like oh it's just this thing it's just this glorified cold over in italy you know yeah. we were like you know so I went on the radio, BBC Radio Manchester did an interview and we got back and they were like, are you, uh, are you in isolation? Went, what do you mean I'm in isolation? I went, <laughs> I went pub yesterday. You know, because yeah, yeah. we'd only been in Italy. We, we, we didn't, in theory, come into contact with anyone. With mm. any, you know, we had a case, you know, so we, we, it's only because we'd been in the country yeah, you know, none of us came back ill or with any symptoms of anything. So we did feel a bit aggrieved at the mm-hmm. time, I must say. Um, but you know, we we do love soccer, and yeah, man. If, if if we do decide to come back again with a new single or whatever, then I'm I'm sure they'd be happy to have us on. You know, definitely. It's on it's on the list. You know, it's on the list of things. To do in the future. Oh, you've you've made it once you've been on Soccer AM. Top bins, in my you know, eyes. Yeah. If you play top bins on Soccer AM, there's no greater achievement. That's... Oh no. <laughs> that I could retire happy. At that <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Well, I think that leads us perfectly into like we've got two little sections that we kind of get through towards the end of the podcast. 
And it's kind of where we, I'll give you a the first section we've got is a scenario based question section. And then oh, yes. the, la the last section we've got is obviously getting you to bring us the new bands that you're listening to at the minute. So I'm going to get into scenario questions to start with. You've got yeah. the rest of the band to pick from that is like most likely to fulfill the role in this scenario. Yeah. Okay. So they're all very off cuff and a little bit edgy. So bear with us. Bear with. <laughs> bear with. Don't like we had, I love we've stuff had a, like this. <laughs> yeah. We've had a couple of people that have been a bit like, what the fuck are you on about? <laughs> so like, I mean, like, yeah. So bear with, but like I, they're good fun. They're good fun. So to start with, you're on you're on tour with the band. You've start you've booked this Airbnb, you're nice and you're all head up in there, you're all getting ready to go go play the gig the next day. You have a night out the night before though. You're on the way home and there is a abandoned dog knocking about the street. And it takes kindly to the group. Who is most likely going to try and bring the dog home back to the Airbnb? Uh, as an animal lover, possibly me, but I've I've always been a cat person, so maybe guitarist Ben, who has a big Rottweiler. So yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna go with Ben. Yeah, uh, I know John's dad has some uh, couple of border terriers, so maybe it could be any of us to be honest. But I'd say Ben, ben guitarist Ben, because even though he thinks he's he wears Stone Island and he's uh a hard exterior. Yeah. It's like soft on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Right. So the world has come, you know, it's all it's all gone to pot. We're all we're it's a shit storm. It's like this, it's like COVID, but ten times worse. <laughs> Everyone's living yeah. underground. It's like a the world is a barren wasteland, but you live you're living underground as a band. Who are you going to send out to fetch you food? On an afternoon, he's, he's, they've got to go out, they've got to run, grab you some food and some stuff to last for the next couple of weeks. Who are you sending out that's going to fetch your stuff? Well, this is easy. That's That'd be Johnny. <laughs> for quite a dark reason that, you know, he's uh, he's lived on the edge many times where he's had to, like, steal bits of food and stuff. So, yeah, definitely <laughs> him. I mean, I'd be, I'd be useless. <laughs> yeah, so I like the convenience of being able to walk in Tesco and... Just go on the self-checkout, in and out. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, definitely yeah. Johnny with that one. Okay. Nice. Nice. And the last one. You've been approached by the British government. Shit. They want you to give, they want you to lend a hand with their newest MI5 task. They want you to be a spy, essentially. Ooh. You've got to go and capture an extremely dangerous criminal. They're wanted for terrorism, all that jazz. You can only ring one. I don't. Is that the right thing to say? They're they're wanted for terrorism and all that jazz. Is that yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, all that it changes so the tone of it. I yeah. think. <laughs> it's just a bit of terrorism. Yeah, all that, all that lots, terrorism. Lots of bit of terrorism. Yeah. <laughs> You only get one phone call to make to a band member to help you go and capture this wanted fugitive. Who are you calling to go and grab? Right, well, it's, that's got to be guitarist Ben again because he's he, he's had a few fights, you know, <laughs> for whatever reason. I yeah. know he's had fights with people. So he's quite hard, you know, and I'd... 
and I'd, I'd be the brains of the operation. Mm. So I've always had this great idea that I'm, I'm really good at like hiding because <laughs> I've got I've worked out this route to a pub in the next village where my valuable drinking time, I don't want it to be taken up by bumping into too many people. Mm. So I've worked out a secret route where I don't bump into anyone. So I'd like to think that I'd be quite good at planning the operation. Yeah. Whilst I'd just send Ben in to like grab him to the floor and he could tie him up and do all that jazz. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the braids of the broad, I like it. it you think, I think if you sent like me and John in or something, we just it'd be like watching the Chuckle Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> send some brawn in and then I'll just kind of oversee it, you know, big, big, big coat and a hat and some binoculars. <laughs> then uh, I think that'd be quite good. I could just picture you being great in Oldham, but as soon as it moves further afield, you're like, hold oh, on. <laughs> this oh, is, this is the secret route. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd be all right around here, you know, but <laughs> yeah. put me in any other city. And I, you know, I don't have what do they call it, pigeon power, where you can just kind of find your way around. With, yeah. you know, I, I'm a, um, let's just say I'm a regular user of Google Maps. Nice. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the best at like sort of, finding my way without Google Maps, which yeah. is a shame, really, because I kind of class myself as a man of the old world rather than the new world, but yeah. sometimes you just can't help it. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Got to be done, isn't it? Got to be done. Well, that is the end of the scenario question. We've only got we've only got three tonight. We're only, you know, keeping it short and sweet because we literally have been going for fucking ages. Yeah. So... <laughs> so at the, the last thing we do in these podcasts, we kind of get the person we're interviewing to kind of run off a band that they're listening to at the moment that they're really enjoying and they think needs a little bit more press than what they're maybe getting. So if, is there anyone that you've been listening to specifically you want to give a shout out to? Well, yeah, the band, <laughs> bit of bias there. The band I'm managing, Mercy Kelly, definitely, um, because, well, then I'll say bias, but think what they've got there jack the front man they've not managed to play it live yet because they're a lockdown band um, jack the singer the dynamic between him and the lead guitarist adam who's developed this brilliant like chorusy sort of like new wave sound on the guitar mm. amazing and i i think they'll they'll do really well another band that i've, I've just i've just been doing a bit of uh bit of journalism actually a bit of reviewing because i like doing that as well uh Band called the Skinner Brothers. Yeah, we like them. We've had them in the playlist before. I had a chat with Zach the other day. Um, and yeah, their new EP. I've been lucky enough to have a listen. I think it's out yeah, like tomorrow. I don't know when this goes out, but it'll probably be out by the time this podcast goes out. Um, yeah, Skinner Brothers. I uh, The attitude of it and the, the fact I love it, the, the the fact I love about it was recorded in Zach's flat on like 100 quid's worth of equipment. But you listen to it and you think, bloody hell, you know. Yeah. Sounds quality. So yeah, I'd say Mercy Kelly and the Skinner Brothers um, are two bands that I would say I'm quite excited about. And also, I better get a mention in for uh, Children of the State from Sheffield because I think okay. they have some fantastic songs and they've got a great image. Um, so yeah, them as well. Sick. That's perfect. Like that it. Is, that is that is probably one of the most in-depth ones we've had. I like that a lot. Oh, that's good. That is good. Joe, yeah. have you have you Go been on. listening to anyone recently? Do you know what? I've it's the first time in a little while that I've found a proper proper little gem. 
um, that literally have just dropped their debut single and have like 90 monthly listeners. Uh, but it's really good. And I'm pretty sure they approached us and sent us it. And then they pushed us to listen to it again because I think I said I would and then I hadn't yet, which does happen. And you know what? People keep saying like, really sorry, don't want to seem pushy, but have you listened to it? And I was like, keep telling people to listen to it because like, yeah, I think sometimes, especially when we get sent so much, like sometimes we do just not listen to some. So remind people because like, then I was like, okay, sick, I'll try it. And it's a band called Kiwi. They're from the Lake District. Uh, It's like proper like indie pop, like a little bit like, yeah, like a bit quite classic indie rock pop stuff that's coming out. But the quality of it for a debut single is like one of the best I've heard in a while now. Mm. Um, And it was one of those where we listen to a lot of songs and it's like, yeah, it's all right. And it came on and it's like within five seconds, you're like, yeah, okay. These lads are like... I'll have to have a look at them. Yeah, yeah I'll have a look into them. Yeah, mate, Kiwi. Just one song. I think it's called Addicted. Um, and they're called Kiwi, which I think is quite a cool name for a band. And uh, yeah, they seem like top lads and they're doing everything in the right way, uh, pushing their music, like do, putting really good stuff on Instagram. All their stuff looks really cool. And their debut single is really good. So yeah, I've, I've got big hopes for them. They're good. I'll have a look at them. Yeah, definitely. I, I love new music. You know, yeah. it's, it, I do love the old stuff, but it's, uh, I suppose you've got something to help you keep the faith, haven't you? And uh... yeah, definitely. And there's loads of it at the moment. Like it's just so many bands that are coming up. The quality is ridiculous. Like you were saying, like what they can do from home means that there's so many bands releasing like studio ready songs. So yeah, it's it's sick. It's good to see. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And one I'm going to have to shout out, and it seems silly not to. And because they've released an EP very recently and we've had them on the podcast before, but it's Callow Youth. Um, Callow Youth, yes. Callow right. Youth, they, they are the boys. They practice in our mill. In our, um, ne- they were next door to us. Oh, really? Um, really? Yeah. I've actually got their, um, their first EP, which they've now taken. It was a, like a demo EP called The yeah. Vibe. And yeah. I think they've took it down of everything now. Yeah, yeah. Because they, they, they gave that me. Which is when they were just starting. Good bunch of lads. Top lads, class, yeah. Yeah, class, we had them on and we spoke about that actually and their decision to take it down and stuff. Um we had Nathan on and uh yeah, it was it was sick. They seemed like a class bunch of lads. Good band. Yeah, I like I like Nathan. He came and watched us uh in Liverpool. Um yeah, he's a top top lad. He is. Uh his dad's nice as well, actually. <laughs> don't know why I'm don't know why I felt the need to mention. Him, but, uh, <laughs> he came <laughs> because his dad's nice make sure you go listen to their new EP straight to the end it is, yeah, it's got it's some really bellers good. on that that EP is brilliant and it's yeah. so it's so sick and it's the first bigger project they've released on this new label um, and it works it sounds really really class really really good piece of work from them boys mm-hmm. absolutely yeah, well top band they are superb band well it's been an absolute pleasure Harry thank you for coming on mate it's sadly the end of the episode Oh, I could have gone on all night. <laughs> you could you could tell not been much social interaction. I'm not sure, ever. <laughs> hey, it's perfect. Out, like if we could dream up someone to to tell a story where you have it, would be ideal, mate. You've been a pleasure. It was good fun. Oh no, but thank you for asking me. You know, it's it's you know it's really nice to do these things. You know, meet new people. I know we're not in person, but you know, good. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And when we're up that way, because we'll definitely be up that way soon, for sure. We'll get something going. We'll go to the pub or something, get some yeah, beers and that, and definitely. try and maybe get one in person going at some point. Oh, that'd be absolutely smashing, yeah. And I'll, I'll show you the secret route to the pub. Yeah, <laughs> <Whoa. laughs> you wonder. Yeah, you, might, you might bump into us then on that wonder. <laughs> yeah, oh, well, if you're with me, it's fine. If, if there's people that are not with me and then say, oh, where are you going? Like, uh, just going there visiting my mum. superb mate well it's been a pleasure having you and if you're still listening make sure you like the video leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts and uh, Spotify ring the bell subscribe all that shit Um, thank you for listening we'll see you on the other side peace cheers